What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. This is your host, Dave Stovall. In today's episode, our point leader, Bobby Harrington, interviews Brandon Gendon and Renee Sproles in an in-depth roundtable discussion about aspects of discipleship. If you haven't listened to episodes one and two from this season yet, you might be a little bit lost. This is a Q&A session episode, so skip back to those episodes before listening further. They're pretty short, so they won't take you very long. In this Q&A session, Bobby, Brandon, and Renee discuss the role of relationships in faith development, as well as the importance of addressing challenges and the inevitable messiness that comes with discipleship. As disciple makers, we got to have the ability to adapt well in dealing with these challenges, and we may need a mindset change when dealing with personal incidences during the discipleship process. Let's hear from Brandon and Renee and Bobby as they encourage us today. Here we go. So, Brandon, I just wanted to begin our discussion with this book. Tell Why did you write the book? And we can see the fruit from what you shared and what Renee shared, uh, how you guys are living this out. But why did you write the book? Well, I'll start by, because um, Bobby made me. Um, <laughs> same. Same. You have the yeah. same thing? Let's talk about... That's not true. Look, Renee and I are going to talk about you, Bobby. Yeah. For a yeah. No, uh, be, because... You know, the question that I've been asked so many times um, over the years is, okay, what does this practically look like? How, what does your life look like? And in all, you know, seriousness, you and I had a conversation about, and you said to me, you said, Brandon, you're, that's your thing. You're so intentional with those you disciple. And, and so um, I just felt a conviction and encouragement of the staff and my eldership and, and, and folks around the Christian community to, to put really my life story um, when it comes to intentionally discipling folks. And if I can share some of my life and successes and failures in it and inspire people to go, we can do this. And, and that's it. I wanted people to be able to read the book and go, we can start doing this. It's yeah. possible. It's a, we can do it. That's yeah. really good. Now, one of the things that uh, is at the heart of this whole intentional conversation is the idea that there is not a conflict between being organic and relational mm-hmm. and being intentional. Yes. Uh, sometimes people will, will ask about that, but how do you put together the idea that we want to be organic and relational and that that's not in conflict with intentionality. Well, I, I think, I mean, I, my mind goes right to the life of Christ. Jesus was, you know, it says in several places, he already had in mind what he was going to do. Um, Jesus had a plan with the 12. In John 17, he prays, Father, I've completed the work that you sent me to do before ever going to the cross. How can Jesus say, Father, I completed the work you sent me to do before instituting the new covenant? Because Jesus had a plan to go and develop his disciples into um, these guys that were going to lead the church. And so I think there's a part of it to where we can be organic and, and, and relational, but also being intentional, have a plan. And those two things can work together. Um, and in fact, I would say if we leave the two apart, we yeah. can get in trouble. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. it, and so I think that you go together, and I think Jesus modeled that. No, that's good. Uh, Renee, I really like the way you put the description together, which we often use intentional, relational, 
disciple making mm-hmm. or intentional relational transformation is what we want. Um, you talked about making a decision that you weren't going to be like the typical mind your own business uh, <laughs> North American. Love the way you did that. Um, why is it that, um, well, let me state it differently. What mindset did you have to embrace to do that? Because actually, in fact, let me just get you to unpack this. You said an uh, ounce of obedience is better than a pound of theory, <laughs> which is a great line. Yeah. But tell us, yeah. why, why is it obedience when you're sitting on that chair and you say, I'm going to move into this relationship? Yeah, well, it's obedience because you're, you are doing what Jesus called you to do. Why did I do it then? Um, because I had not done it. There was another child I could have told you about from the same small group, hurting in similar ways, and I watched him hurt. Mm-hmm. And his life has gone a very different direction than this young woman's. And you're, there's no guarantees. We're called to, we're called to obedience mm-hmm. in being in relationship with people. God's in charge of the results. Yeah. But I didn't even give that young man a chance in the intentional relational way that I did with this, this young woman. And so I have to wonder, and I had a lot of regret. I thought, how could I, his mother had died. So that's a childhood trauma. And I thought, how can I look at her? How can I look at her in the eye one day? Because she's with the Lord and say, I let your son hurt. Mm. And I did nothing about it. Mm. And I was like, no. So it's, for me, it was repentance because I was, I was tired of watching people hurt. And we, have, we had a great family. David and I looked at each other many times and got, we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> we had a great life. It was a great, happy life. And the four of us were living our happy life. And we had, there was a lot of harmony. And you get involved in people's lives, and it's messy. Yes. Yep. It's messy. And a lot of, there were many times we were sitting around a table with some of her extended family going how is this my problem? Like, how is this my problem? What's my problem? Because I decided to do life with her. And so you, you die, you die to your comfort, you die to your time, you die. You know, when we invited her into our home, we died to our own space. Um, and because everything we have is the Lord's, um, we were okay with that. And, and really, it's, it's the fast track. If two in the testimonies is like fast forwarding six months, having someone come in and live with you, that's so fast. It's actually the easiest because really, there were a million opportunities for her to see David get angry and not yell or for him to be frustrated at work and, and not blow up. Or she actually didn't even understand what was going on. She was like, she couldn't read the room because she only knew one way. And so you multiply that just, and more, she said, you know, I, I didn't know about a quiet time. I get up and y'all are there reading your Bibles. What is that about? Mm-hmm. Well, come and see, mm-hmm. come and see. And so there's just so many opportunities for that. And we were at a season of life. We were headed straight to empty nests. We're like, Hey, we got room. Come on. But that's how it happened. Oh, that's that's how it happened. That's really good. And just to crystallize it, the element of obedience is being obedience to love lost and hurting people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And not be satisfied 
with um, just taking care of yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, if I could just add a word about that. Right now, a lot of people are concerned about what's happening with uh, our culture, and they look out, and uh, they don't like what's happening with our culture. The saddest thing for me is the high number of Christians who look out and they don't like what's happening in our culture, but they're so self-focused on their own vacations, their own home, and their own self-satisfaction. Whereas if we released an army that said, I want to love like Jesus, and I want to enter into a lost and hurting world, the way you described. You have, I mean, she's, she's precious to us. I mean, we've, we went to El Salvador for her wedding. She's, you know, it's not a job. It, you're creating friends, mm. eternal friends. It's fun. It's really, really fun. It's not, it's not a drag. It is a little scary and annoying <laughs> at times. But mostly it's beautiful. Well, and it, and it is the mess. So, yeah. Brandon, uh, I loved your uh, <clears throat> description that you start off as unconscious, incapable, mm-hmm. and then conscious but incapable, mm-hmm. and then consciously capable, and then unconsciously capable. Right. Talk us through uh, explicitly in disciple-making why that's so important. Well, it, it, as I said about the story about watching my daughter go through that, and, and you know, just all of a sudden I was looking back at that process and I thought, that, that's exactly what happens. You know, I, I think the disciples went through that. They had no clue what Jesus, what's a fisher of men? What does that look like? They had no idea what being a disciple of Jesus and the making disciple. Like, they had to walk through that whole practice, and he gave them opportunities, and they, they started practicing some of this. And then, you know, they weren't spiritual parents making disciples till the Holy Spirit comes. But then we see it tra- transfer right into the church of what you know the book of acts look like and and so i think there's a part of it to understand is that it takes repetition it's not just i read a curriculum and now i'm good to go like that, we have got to get out of the mentality of kind of the, the the silver bullet mentality well if i find this curriculum or i institute this program then we're all good and and it's off we go that's not how it works that's not even what Jesus modeled. That's not what the early church. And to have the expectation that there isn't going to be problems or being a, you know, messy, as Renee was saying, like if we're going to walk in and do this into people's lives, it's going to be messy. Yeah. And to understand this, as I, I said this earlier, there's been a lot of success I've seen, in, in, I think, in the biblical sense of making a disciple that can make a disciple. But there's also a lot of them that walked away. Yeah. That didn't want to do it. Yeah. And that was hard at times. But, you know, I look back at and, and Jesus going, come follow me. Well, I don't want to. Okay. And off he goes. And, and we have to kind of come to grips with some of that and going, I'm going to pour my time into the people that, that, that you had described. It was great. That really want to be there. That, re- that, that they're willing to do their part and, and pour into that. And so it's the repetitions, and some days it, it's it's better than others. Um, but keep practicing, keep learning, um, doing this together. You know the term we use is a tribe. Doing this together with a group of people. Yeah. So we're constantly learning from each other on. Well, I tried this and that didn't work. Um, and and I, so I think it has to become, as I said, a lifestyle um, to get away from programmatic discipleship. Not that programs are terrible, 
but it has to be from who we are. Yeah. So I think that in disciple-making, next to prayer, the most important thing is intentionality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look at it as an intentional mind Mm -hmm. that I'm always thinking about how am I helping disciple? And Jesus did say for like we make this. So I've got to do my part, which means I've got to have a plan. I've got to know where I'm going. And then all the time, every day, I'm thinking, how do I engage and help? Or if they're reaching out, uh, how do I respond in a way that's going to help them yes. along the journey. I, I think if we look at Renee's story, every step of that along the way, it took a, a mindset, yeah, an intentional mindset of investment, a willingness. This is one of the things I think is so important, so I wrote about it, is a willingness to be interruptible. Her whole life was completely interrupted. Uh, Jesus constantly models he's being interrupted. Yeah. And, and that's, it's switching this mentality is... For whatever reason, the Lord has chosen us, allowed us to be leaders within his church during this season. This is like our time within the church. What are we doing with it? We have to switch the mentality of sitting back and letting things kind of go on and us worry about our own little programs and things and trying to build our own sometimes own little kingdoms or whatever and say, no. We've got to go out and be, go as we go as our lifestyle and get on the attack within the culture. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean beating people up and being mean or that's not it at all. Getting out into the culture and going, I'm going to go be a disciple maker, which requires an intentional thought, intentional plan, dealing with complete messes and being interrupted all the time. So, so let's talk about that because some people will think, that, okay, I've got to be intentional. I've got to have a plan. i got to have, you know, I have my curriculum we're going to work through and study, uh, which what we're talking about is not opposed to using curriculum. Uh, but there are a lot of people who will hear that, and in their pursuit of being highly intentional uh, and having their plan, the messiness and the disruption and the plan not working out. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that, mm-hmm. Renee. Yeah, so... Um we have a, have a group of young women who my husband does the husbands and I do the wives. They're 30-ish. They are raising young children. We've been with them a couple of years and um, we've had a book. We were going to sit down and do a curriculum and it was just, we were not feeling it. We ditched it. Like we didn't feel like we had to finish. We were like, you know what, let's set this aside. We'll have a meeting and we're meant to, you know, do this particular chapter and somebody's got something going on. Hmm. You set it aside, you help the hurting person, um, and I mean all of us, not me, I'm not the, I'm not the master, well, I kind of am, <laughs> but like, I'm trying to help them also be, so yeah, like, uh, they, they minister to one another, uh-huh. and so, yeah, you've got to be able to shift and change and, and meet the needs that you see at the moment, and those are some of the most precious yeah. times yeah. together. Yeah, true. So yeah. teachable moments, Brendan. Yeah. You're going to say something. Yeah, I mean that's of being a completely aware of that. I, I remember one time, um, uh, my wife and I were discipling a group of couples, and it was pretty uh, early on in ministry and and doing this. And I was so focused on the curriculum. I've got my head down, and I'm like reading the questions, and and I'm focused. And my wife sitting next to me, and she's hitting me on the leg. 
hey, like, hey, dummy. And, and I'm like, hey, I'm doing really good here. Leave me alone kind of thing. <laughs> and she hits me again. And I look up and I'm like, what? And across from me sitting on the couch, a woman was just crying, the wife, and just tears just streaming. I stopped and she says, I'm an alcoholic. It was the first time ever in her life she ever voiced those words. Now, in that moment, I could have went, okay, and back to the curriculum. Not good. <laughs> Curriculum's out the window. My wife had the presence of mind to get up and take her hand, and the ladies went into our dining room area, and they prayed together, and I took the guys and went over, and we prayed, and the husband's crying, and, and all this comes out about what they've been dealing with, and it's been a secret. And it was the first time it was ever shared. You have to be willing to adjust and know what's the Spirit of God doing, and it's not all about a curriculum. No, that's yeah. good. I would say, can I say one more thing? I, no. David and I find ourselves doing a lot of um, cheering on. We, yeah. we are, we, uh, with these young couples who, a lot of them, their family situations were not awesome. Whether their family, their, has, their mom and dad may have stayed together, but the family was not a happy home. And I feel like they've inherited a really hard packed ground to garden. And the, it's hard. Life is hard for yeah. them. They don't know what they're doing. They know they don't know what they're doing. And um, they're so teachable. Yeah. They, we just feel like once, once they get some good teaching, really a lot of what we do is cheering them on. Yeah. You can do it. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Um, and it, it is those moments of like praying together on the phone or coming to the house those are the best interruptions. Yeah, yeah. That's the best. It's the funnest way to live life. Yeah. This is not a chore. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, in the last few minutes, I want to hit on a couple of things. One of the things that I think really is super important that we clarify, and that is the motivation is love. Yeah. So a lot of people uh, who spend a lot of time looking at biblical texts in the New Testament and all that, they'll talk about um, what is the driving force of why we would make disciples. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people say, yeah, Matthew 28, Jesus' last words, they'll, they'll point to that. And others will say, well, you know, that's just one section. Like the, the Great Commission, it's, it's important, but it's in, and it's a commandment, but. And uh, what I realized when they're just focusing on that one section or that one verse or that that's why we do it is they're missing so much because the the motivation that uh, caused Jesus to come to planet earth to make disciples and to redeem us is that he loved us and he entered into our world. And when we talk about intentional relational disciple making, we have the intention because we love people and then we uh, because we love people, we enter into relationships, and it's all motivated by the best thing I can ever do for another person at the end of the day is help them to be right with God and help them so, so they come to faith in Jesus and then help them to become what God wants them to be. The motivation for that is not just a commandment, no matter how important it is, uh, even though the commandment's important, the major motivation is that I want to love people the way yeah. God does. Yeah. And that love drives our motivation Amen. for disciple-making. It will never work if they think they're a project. It will not work. Yeah. Would you like to be a project? Yeah. I right. wouldn't. Right. So, yeah, love, love covers a multitude of sins. You can mess up, 
and if they know that you love them, yeah, that's forgiveness good. is really easy to to get to. Oh, that's good. The last thing uh, before we end this session, I'd like to talk about Renee. You talked about how people didn't know the gospel. Brandon, you and I are friends, and so we've had a lot of conversations yep. uh, around the gospel. Yes. Uh, let's talk about how we help people to, first of all, again, why do people not know the gospel even in church? And secondly, what do we do about that? Brandon, you start, then Renee. Well, I, I think, um, you know, the, Bill Hull and others have done a lot, Matthew Bates and a lot of work on this, and, and I'm so grateful I think the first thing is getting back to an actual, I think, biblical definition of what the gospel is, um, how Jesus communicated it. Um, I think the mistake the church um, has made and why we've divorced the gospel message of Christ from the methodology of Christ is because we just put the gospel in as this, well, you're saved by grace through faith, and that's it. And, and that's a true statement about the gospel, but to get into what is the gospel Jesus declares it in Mark chapter one, I, that the kingdom is here, that he says the gospel is this. And, and in the context, it's I'm the king, the kingdom is here. And he goes on at eight and he says, I'm gonna die for you and resurrect from the dead. And he, he preaches what the gospel is. And that's one of the things that in our church and as I've discipled to just pound and pound into people because that gospel puts Jesus Christ at the center and that we are moving people into the image and likeness of Christ. We're participating with the Holy Spirit in that process. That's disciple making. The form that the church tends to hold on to do is it makes it about the person. You're saved by grace through faith. And, and okay, and I get my hell insurance and I go sit in church and what would I be motivated to do anything about or for? There's just, that's at the core, I think, of, of a major problem that we've got to get changed and corrected in the church. And that changes our motivation. I'm being a disciple maker because the king of the universe asked me to. And I'm talking about the gospel because it is the, it is the redemptive story of what the king has done to rescue his people. And that just begins changing people's I have seen, those that I've discipled, those in our church and all of that. It's changed their mentality about how they view the world and what it means to be a disciple. That's good. Renee? I really wonder. I mean, y'all are the preachers. Why don't they know the gospel? Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, how, did, <laughs> how, <are> they, <laughs> how do they not know it? Yeah. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know if they were just brought up in church and it was kind of just, uh, I need 10% more. You know, my life is 90% good and I just need 10% more. Mm. They don't, maybe they don't have a sense of their lostness. The biblical illiteracy is high, um, so I really, really encourage people yeah. that I've worked with to just be in the Word. Yeah. Be in the Word. Um, the young woman that lived with us was part of a great campus ministry, and they insisted on Scripture memory. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that girl transform. Awesome. The more she memorized Scripture, the yeah. more she changed, which is why I say, put yeah. it in your notes app, get in the Word, make the book of Ephesians yours. They don't really know where to start, so helping them to start yep. um, somewhere and really make that book their own. They don't, they're not carrying around Bibles. You know, it's, it's really startling. So yeah. biblical literacy, I think, is a real problem. And they just don't understand, like, the worldview that the gospel brings, yep. that it's not just personal salvation. This is a kingdom yeah. that 
And like yeah. there was a perfect world, it all fell apart, and it's all being made right. Yeah. And here yeah. we stand. And um, that's so exciting. I like the way you had, uh, you quoted from Titus chapter three, you had mm-hmm. memorized it. Mm-hmm. And that's a great, great mm-hmm. section that you mm-hmm. memorized to just mm-hmm. easily say that. I do think that that's so important. I think we preachers always need to be coming back to the gospel. Amen. We need to tell, yes. every time yes. we have communion, yes. we need to tell the gospel. Uh, the gospel needs to be a part of all of our sermons, all of our teaching, mm-hmm. and everything thing yes. that we're about. Yeah. So I, I agree. Well, thank you both. Can, can you join with me in thanking them? Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the episode today, everybody. I hope that you got a lot out of that. Up next, we're jumping into the Lion's Share track sessions from the City Tour featuring Dave Buring. I love Dave, and every time he talks, I get just some amazing um, thoughts and just information out of him every time he speaks. So I'm looking forward to these next episodes. Hey, you can now get access to all video content from the Discipleship.org City Tour in Nashville by going to our website. I'm dropping the link in the show notes. It's the 2023 Nashville City Tour. So go to our website, click the link in the show notes, and go watch some of that video content. It's great stuff. All right, y'all, I appreciate you being a listener of the Disciple Makers podcast, and I hope that you keep coming back for more. Have a great day.